0: Casting network the one that started it all and boy am i glad to be back this is the long road to ruin and i am your host the mandated reporter and frankly i'm mortified mr mark Rattledge. it's been a hell of a week um i'm not gonna go off on a tangent because then somebody uh on a wrestlecast will a year later uh never let me forget it but i will say that um it was a rough week, but our, our, things are back to normal now. My, all, my my family is home. Everyone is healthy and safe. And uh, that leaves me w- w- ready, willing, and able to do frivolous and marvelous things like talk about movies on a podcast with my buddies. And that's what we're going to do. So tonight, since this is Avengers week, and I've missed not one but two shows, <laughs> I'm actually excited to talk about anything, something, Avengers and uh, that means tonight is the Iron Man trilogy. Yes, the one that started it all in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Robert Downey Jr. playing Robert Downey Jr. in a cheap suit. No, just kidding. Uh, here and here to help me do all of that, he is the wordsmith, uh, Mr. Sean Comer. How do you do, sir?
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Sean. You're not. And tonight's show is brought to you with limited commercial interruptions. By limited, I mean none. Thanks to Vandalay Industries and Nick Diaz Cat Jitsu. Call 219-634-5789 for your
0: free introductory week of lessons for your furry
1: little cuddleway champion.
0: <laughs> I saw an article recently that uh, apparently if you've got a kid with asthma or or uh, something, just just not very uh, not, not very athletic child, the perfect sport for them is jiu-jitsu. Oh, and I thought that was jiu-jitsu?
1: pretty cool. Martial arts? Chuck Norris did not lie to you. Did you doubt Chuck? <laughs> did you doubt Chuck when he made that shitty movie with Joe Piscopo and Jonathan Brandis? Yeah? No, no. Did you? Oh, oh, nope. and, oh and, the great, and, and the great Mako? Oh, did you? Did you doubt him? Well, then fuck you. That's what you get. Because Chuck didn't lie. Martial arts
0: is nope. Nobody doubts Chuck Norris. All right. Let's get into, uh, let's leave all this silliness behind and get into the movies tonight. So, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah? Um, there was a time and a place where uh, Marvel was trying to make some cash, and they and they uh, rented out their properties to other movie studios. Um, to this day, some of them are still owned by uh, 20th Century Fox. Uh, they've got the X-Men and uh, the Fantastic Four and all of the associated characters that they're in. Sony got Spider-Man, they made a trilogy, then they tried again with two more movies, and then they said, fuck it, take it back. (laughs) We we don't know what we're doing, and we we somehow can't protect our emails. Um, But with the characters that Marvel had left and had continued to uh, get back from these other studios, they went out to create a Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then along the way, Disney bought them. And the motion picture that started it all, the one that got the ball rolling, the one that set up what would eventually become uh, the Avengers and then lead into phase two, which is now concluding with the Avengers, Age of Ultron and Ant-Man, was Iron Man, starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Jeff Bridges, and Terrence Howard. And, you know, back when Iron Man came out in 2008, it was a tricky business there was a spotty record, especially with Marvel films, not so much with DC. DC had a decent track record, especially um, early on with uh, the Christopher Reeve Supermans and the first two um, Tim Burton Batman movies, which we discussed at length on this show. You can go back and listen to them in the archives. But Marvel, Marvel's had a rough time. And it was, and who, and, and to come up with an entire cinematic universe and, create essentially a series of movies that would be chapters in a bigger story was an enormous task and, and a huge risk. But, and they had, and they had to start off on the right foot. If Iron Man had sucked, if Robert Downey Jr. Wasn't able to live up to the character and and wasn't able to keep himself healthy and sober, this whole thing could have unraveled before it even began, but it didn't. Uh, They successfully put out the picture. It did oodles of money uh, people loved, now now I don't think you can even separate Robert Downey Jr. from Tony Stark, and we can talk about maybe why that is in, in just a few minutes. But Iron Man, and this is why, why we're talking about it tonight, is the most important trilogy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, because without it, there wouldn't be one. Sean, I, I want to get some of your initial thoughts and any history you might have uh, researched on how we got to the very first Iron Man.
1: You know what, guys? First off, come at me, neckbeards. Yeah, that's right. I fell in love with this character thanks to the movie. By all means, bring it on, fuckers. Um, and that's in part because they did such an outstanding job through and through across the entire first movie of really making sure that they got right down to the core of modernizing what Stanley envisioned for the character's. And that is, if I, may, if I may quote him, quote, I think I gave myself a dare. It was the height of the Cold War. The readers, the young readers, if there was one thing they hated, it was war. It was the military. So I got a hero who represented that to the hundredth degree. He was a weapons manufacturer. He was providing weapons for the Army. He was rich. He was an industrialist. I thought it would be fun to take the kind of character that nobody would like, none of our readers would like, and shove them down their throats and make them like him. And he became very popular. Uh, And that's really pretty much what they did, was when they they sought out to make this the opening salvo in uh, really launching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they really went in a different direction than any other adaptation of a Marvel movie had. And that was the idea that for one thing, they got a really extremely talented writer director on board in the form of John Favreau, uh, who's also in the movie as Tony Stark's chauffeur and assistant, Happy Hogan. Uh, they got Robert Downey Jr. on board to play Stark. And, and as you pointed out, yeah, you know, screw your starkiness, your snarkiness, yes. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was basically playing Robert Downey Jr. However, he really had the brilliant idea in coming into the movie of really telling Kevin Feige, By- Fe- Fe- Feige,
0: Kevin Feige,
1: Kevin Feige, that if you really want to get to the heart to the heart and soul of Tony Stark. And you really want to figure out how to modernize this guy, there's one thing you've got to do. And that is we gotta go talk to Elon Musk. Because they based it really very strongly on somebody who had not only that kind of talent, that kind of genius, that kind of that kind of vision, but somebody who just naturally was that kind of tireless, ambitious technical vanguard and sort of apply every and sort of apply that as the foundation upon which they would build all the other traits that make Tony Tony. You know, the excess, the alcoholism, the narcissism just and what resulted was really an incredibly grounded movie that thankfully Kevin Fragglerock, And the rest of Marvel and the rest of Disney have been able to build upon such that it's almost not really like so much they're making movies anymore, so much as it's almost like they're just making really comics on this incredibly grand multimedia scale. Because everything builds off each other. Everything is cumulative. Everything comes together, and to really understand the entire universe, you can get some grasp of it by, by sort of just watching a Thor movie here or just watching a Captain America there or just watching Iron Man or even just watching the Avengers. But you're not really going to fully get absolutely everything that's going on unless you just dive in whole hog and you really immerse yourself in these characters, but the good news there is, as I'm sure we're going to be talking about for the next two movies, Mark, is the fact that they did create characters that you could seriously engage with and involve yourself with, and kind of feel a connection. With
0: I think that's why, um, as one of the pillars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, throughout Phase One, Phase Two, and Phase Three. Um, Tony Stark works as a character, because what we have here is a guy, you know, is a a man of privilege, a man of great intelligence and wealth, and he's just, you know, wallowing in it. I mean, on the one hand, you know, before Afghanistan, uh, if you look at the totality of all three movies, um, you know, flashbacks included, you know, what you have is a guy who obviously uh, is – is a talented genius and is trying to create things that are make that, you know, that he believes will make the world better. But at the same time, here's a guy not thinking about, uh, about the cost of his legacy and what it's doing to the world. Uh, and, and he's, you know, enjoying his fame as, as it were. It isn't until the uh, incident in Afghanistan, which sets the whole thing going where he nearly dies, and has to be kept alive by putting in, essentially an electromagnet, I believe, in his uh, in his chest. Um, and the arc, the, the, a mini arc reactor. It isn't until then that he has to come face to face with exactly what his legacy is and what it should be. And the thing of it is, is that it's that, that struggle, that internal struggle with Tony, carries throughout all has carried throughout all of phase 1 phase 2 and will inform phase 3 as we get into civil war tony is a very is a very damaged and complex character and i like the fact that marvel hit a bullseye i think with playing the amount of damage and internal uh strife while not creating as some might you know, Let me phrase it this way. People complained about Spider-Man because he whined too much. They didn't go that far, okay? And while I disagree with those people who criticized Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, my point is they didn't make him, uh, you know, he isn't Macbeth here. He isn't, um, you know, he he isn't uh, so totally depressed and struggling that he becomes not a fun character to watch. On the other hand, uh, they didn't make it, you know, he isn't just out there being a superhero and there's no internal uh, strife going on at all. You know, they, they they really found a nice place in the middle where they could keep the movies upbeat and fun, but there's still dimensions and layers and things for people to seek their teeth into uh, and come away with the fact that these are real people struggling with real problems in a fantastic universe. You know what? And that, I by
1: all means, here's here's where I'm quite possibly going to end up straying a little bit into my own personal political beliefs. And quite frankly, I don't care because my beliefs are what they are. Uh, what I love about Tony is the fact that while he does have his eyes open at one point and realize that he could leave, as he puts it, a greater legacy behind than things that than things that just blow up. The simple fact is, even then, he refuses to see exceptionalism and his own ambition and his own gifts as necessarily being bad things. He refuses to apologize for being great at what he does. He refuses to bemoan his excellence. It's something that's really... And that even now today, even decades after Stan Lee and Jack Kirby first created the character, it still persists as this whole ridiculous, self-loathing American cultural trope of you should have to apologize for being good at something. Or you should have to apologize if you're good at something and you're not handing over a hefty chunk of the fruits of your labor to somebody else who did absolutely fuck all something roughly the size of a single eco coliform molecule to earn any to earn any stake to it or any claim to it whatsoever. Um, he's still going out there and he's still trying to make the world a better place. But he also sees nothing wrong with, well why should I not be rewarded? Why should I not
0: profit from it? Why but I you know But I think the greatest you know part what? about that I'm sorry. But I think the greatest part well, about that though is that along the way he keeps screwing it up? You know, he creates he creates the Iron Man armor and it gets abused. He uh, you know he he gets into these situations that gets the people around him put in direct danger. He he ends up creating Ultron. You know that that's sort of the the legacy of Tony Stark is essentially you know I tried to do good and created monsters every step of the way. Yeah, but you know what?
1: The simple fact is, is no, it, it hasn't been perfect every single step of the way. Uh, he's not one hundred percent altruistic. Personally, I like that he's not Captain America. I like that he's not. Um, I, I like that he's not Superman. Um, I, I'm one of the things I've always found fascinating about him is the fact that the main difference between him and Lex Luthor is. Lex Luthor is the kind that he creates a cure for he creates a cure for cancer, but by no means is he going to put it out there because you know it's not just that he altruistically wants a better, happier, healthier world; it's that he wants to rule and hold sway over a better, happier, healthier world. Um, kind of like the Kingpin in Daredevil's Netflix series. Um, it's it's the difference between Tony and, say, okay, Oliver Queen. That's another good one. Um, Oliver Queen is a, a character that, while he's often entertaining, can sometimes just be so obnoxiously proto um, you You just kind of, after a while, or I do anyway, after a while, I start reveling in him getting his ass kicked. <laughs> um, because I just don't want to fucking listen to it anymore. Tony, on the other hand, I relate to that because it kind of strikes strikes kind of near and dear to me because I'm also somebody who, in the last couple of years, has had to realize, okay, you've you've got a lot of talent, you've got a lot you could do, and you're pissing it away. And there's a little sense there that along the way when you're trying to kind of build back up from that and you're trying to do the right thing, yeah, you do the wrong things along the way sometimes even when you're well-meaning. And it it, it isn't just this ridiculous 180-degree turnaround. Like I said, the, the whole Oliver Queen thing, it, it's not just, no, you don't just turn everything around and, around because you have an epiphany and every every mistake you've made just goes away. No, sometimes you do have to keep facing them and sometimes you do keep making mistakes, but you can't let it stop you from trying to move forward and from trying to find the path that you're convinced is out there. And it's why I'm trying to remember who it was that I first had this conversation with because I swear I've, I've had it with two people. I think I I think I had it with uh, my good buddy, uh, Cole Maranteth, and also with our wonderful title card artist, Ben Cologne. And that is the one thing the MCU has done is it's taken these classic Marvel superheroes, but they haven't been making just strictly superhero movies. They've taken them... And use them as platforms and as framing devices for very different kinds of stories. Um, with Iron, with with the Iron Man movies, you've got the evolution of a very a very flawed hedonistic, but brilliant egotist. Uh, who all of a sudden realizes there's a lot more that I could be doing, and there's a lot a lot of wrongs that I have to undo. And over the course of these three movies, he's always kind of struggling with that current. He's always faced with, as he'll say in the third movie, with another demon he's raised. Um, but he never lets it stop him. In a movie like, in a movie like, um, say. Thor. You you got themes of forging your own your own identity in the face of your heritage and kind of what's and kind of what's expected. It's it's almost kind of nature versus nurture way. Um, In Captain America, you've got the story of what really makes a hero. Is it is it the powers? Is it the superhuman abilities? To being able to do things that normal men can only dream of ever being able to do, or is it something that all those things only augment because it's either with somebody or it isn't? So that's kind of why I'm able to watch the first Iron Man movie and read a lot of the comics and kind of internalize and kind of internalize that and and realize, okay, this this part really isn't so far fetched.
0: Yeah, um, I said it's a, it's a fantastic world, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, it's filled with gods and, um, you know, futuristic technology and, you know, crazy powers and whatnot. But that never gets in the way of the fact that these are still human beings that we're dealing with, with real problems um, and, you know, and flaws in their personality. And Iron Man really sets the tone for for all of that throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for all of the different heroes. I really can't think of one that that isn't that wouldn't fall under that description, so the plot is as follows um he's in afghanistan he's just he's uh promoting the uh Jericho missile for the military to buy that's his that's what he's doing there, and uh, along the way, his convoy gets attacked by the ten rings. They want him and uh another scientist to build a Jericho missile for them. Um, as I said before, Tony, uh, is injured in the attack and he has shrapnel heading towards his heart. So the first thing they do is they build, uh, a small arc reactor, uh, to power the electromagnet to keep the shrapnel from killing him. Uh, then they then take that same arc reactor and use it to power a suit of armor so that they can escape. The incident ends up dying, but Tony Stark gets away and then it's off to improve on the original clunky uh, classic design of the Iron Man outfit. So uh, our our middle chapter deals with a couple of different things. One, Tony realizes that the weapons that he's making, he can't control where they're ever going to end up. Well, well, the intention is to sell them to, quote, unquote, the good guys, as he'll be reminded of in this movie and others again and again and again. Um, Anybody can get a hold of his stuff and use it to kill Americans. So he decides that Stark Industries, the weapons manufacturer, is now going to be Stark Industries, the something else, because he no longer wants to make weapons. What he doesn't know is that his partner, played by Jeff Bridges, Obadiah Stane, is actually in cahoots with the Ten Rings. Um, But in the meantime, uh, before he finds any of that out, Obadiah Stane is trying to... Uh, get him to not go crazy and give up making weapons. This is where we meet Gwyneth Paltrow's character, the assistant uh, Pepper Potts, who will, play, who will become his love interest and, and all that, but that's that's later on. So, um, as I said, along the way, uh, he, Tony works on creating the Iron Man suit, um, improving upon it, That that takes a little bit, and then he goes right back after the Ten Rings again, and he wipes him out <laughs> pretty easily. Um he find oh, this uh pushes Obadiah Stain to take more of an involved uh effort into dealing with Tony. He builds the Monger suit and they end up in a fight. He nearly killed Pepper. Uh Iron Man eventually defeats him and announces to the world despite uh, much, much to Shield's chagrin, who was introduced in this movie, that he is in fact Iron Man, which is different from the comic book. In the comic book, Iron Man, um, he he didn't admit initially that he was Iron Man. He said that uh, Tony Stark said that Iron Man was his bodyguard, uh, but that's kind of the way comic books were back in the you know, 60s and 70s. Everybody had a secret identity, which is what made Civil War so interesting at the time. Was you know dealing with that secret identity issue. But right out of the gate, they decided that he was going to embrace this thing as part of his character, and he announced that he is in fact Iron Man. And in the post-credit scene, we have our introduction of Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, who tells him that he's not the only superhero in the world, and then he wants to discuss the Avengers Initiative. So there's your first step towards the the Marvel Cinematic.
2: What?
0: What was that?
1: I, I, I'm I'm sorry, but I I love that moment. At the same time, I just also kind of want to always want to always dub in a don don
0: don. Yeah. Um, so we have our first step towards the make these the super super movie our our really first super movie in America uh, as far as various superheroes all in one movie, uh, the Avengers. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this movie. I think Iron Man Two generates more of a discussion, uh, so we'll quickly just kind of go over the characters. The, the plot of the thing is fine; it's, it's as straightforward as anything else. Um, you know, Obadiah Stane is your uh, typical backstabbing villain. Uh, you know, Pepper Potts, that's played by Gwyneth Paltrow, is fine. <laughs> you know, she's she's not quite. I would I would say she's better than Adrian though. So there are times where she gets to be a bit of a nag and and she starts going in that direction. And John Favreau's fun. Um, you know, I I get by by the third movie I get annoyed with it, with the everybody talking over everybody else delivery of dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. but it's but it's much more toned down in this first movie. Um. So, I uh, anything else you want to discuss here as far as plot or? Uh, characters? Anything? Um, anything worth talking about here?
2: It's
1: it's absolutely superb. You even found a way to make Gwyneth Paltrow bearable, and I'm sure <laughs> she took the money and bought many limes. So so very many limes with all of the Marvel money. Enjoy the limes, Gwyneth. Enjoy the limes.
2: Um.
1: Uh. Jeff Bridges is really excellent as a just mustache twirly enough villain. Uh, but also again, kind of looking at it, maybe a little bit allegorically, a symbol of those people that anybody who's ever really trying to make a change and turn a corner has to deal with who will always, always just be trying to drag them back into that old life. Um, And you're right. There's just there's really not much else to say except that it's also the movie that sets the whole Iron Man trilogy up as being as having the um, the rhythm and the feel of a very slick modern tech thriller. Uh, that is that's its identity as much as it is as much as um, the Thor movies have so far been uh, been a lot of uh, high fantasy. For the most part, um, as much as the first Captain America was just a good old-fashioned Raiders of the Lost Ark-style action romp, Nazis included, uh, and and as much as uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was just arguably one of the greatest space operas of uh, of all time, topping a good half the scope half the Star Wars movies and other properties up to this point. So it was the start of not just Marvel taking a hold of their own properties and doing right by their own characters and making them each distinct. In other words, they're not making everybody Batman, but it was also the start of giving each movie kind of it's, it's own feel kind of, kind of its own little subgenre to stick to. And, I love that. I love that. It beats the hell out of even, okay, DC bagging aside, it even beats the hell out of how Fox notoriously does the same thing.
0: The movies
1: all feel the same. They all read about the same way. You can just kind of watch it and I could show you a movie and just skip the credits and, you know, you could probably just Hell yeah, that's a 20th Century Fox take on Marvel. Just from the way it shot, approached, cast, the the whole ball of wax. So, Iron Man was a great start for a character that really wasn't necessarily all that familiar to a lot of (laughs) mainstream. Mainstream. (laughs) I talk good. I talk pretty tonight. Watermelons. Um, It's Uh, uh, it's a great start to really reinventing a lot of their properties. And yeah, it was a fantastic build to uh, pioneering history, making crossover. Now the question is, would they be able to top it, Mark with the second movie?
0: The second movie is, generates the most controversy, the most conversation and is, um, derided by a lot of people, it also had, I think, the, the heaviest lifting to do. This was like the direct precursor to the Avengers. I mean, Iron Man three has the benefit of happening after the Avengers, um, and the, you know, and therefore it had a, a lot more room to breathe. It didn't need, it didn't necessarily need to get Tony Stark anywhere. You know, it could just be its own story, and. Um, you know they would pick things up where they needed to later on. And there was also more movies ahead of it to move Tony along if they needed it. Uh, Iron Man 2, however, like I said, it had to be the next chapter in the Iron Man story. It had to introduce more Shield members. It had to get him closer to the Avengers. It, it's 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 a very schizophrenic picture. I don't think it deserves as much hate as it's gotten. I mean, there there are reviewers out there. that think this is the worst piece of shit Marvel's ever done and. Kind of stand on top of it when they are um, criticizing the, the the studio as not making movies, but rather making you know chapters in a book or, or something. You know, th- there's just a lot of criticism that has followed this movie, and I think it's a little unfair. Um, after rewatching it recently in preparation for this show, I think my biggest gripe about this movie is the most important thing that needs to happen is that tony needs to figure out how to save his own life and the the the, the, the plot devices they they give him in order to do that are pretty weak and ridiculous. Uh, it marvel has unfortunately this one big flaw with a lot of their movies and that is sometimes they move things a little too quickly and you're like wait how did we get here so fast? They have this problem with Age of Ultron where Ultron, you know, is birthed and immediately going to kill humanity in a matter of seconds. And it's like, wait, what? How did we slow down? It's the same thing here. You spend an hour building up Tony falling to pieces because of, because of his imminent death. And then you, you know, you introduce him to Nick Fury and you reveal that um, Natasha is the black widow and then like here here's stuff look it over it was your dad's. And then suddenly he has this sort of like crisis where he go where he goes to Pepper and wants to apologize for essentially being a jackass and she walks out on him and he happens to see a map uh, or rather a uh a model of the city that his father wanted to design and he goes and, he, and, and immediately jumps from that to Huh? That's that's the outlines to the missing element that's gonna replace the palladium in my arc reactor.
2: Ta-da!
1: <laughs> it is oh, okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm with you that Marvel two really gets Marvel two.
2: <laughs> oh my,
0: fuck me! That's my, that my, my one big I, criticism. I can deal with. I can. My only other thing is I actually think Sam Rockwell's character is retarded in this movie. Um, I mean, like, functionally retarded. I actually think he's got a developmental disorder. Um, but yeah. more not a bit. Uh, that is my biggest problem, is that, is that the thing that you needed to get to get the third act going is so stupid and convoluted and comes out of the left fucking field that it now takes less... It,
2: it, it
1: is... One nice thing I can say about the Marvel movies is that when it comes to plot development... They are, relatively speaking, fairly low on the bullshit. But that, yeah, that that moment with the map is just the moment of, okay, this is my trip on the fuck you train to Nope Town.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, the no, thing it, we'll just, no. Hang on. A- 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 Wait, I got to get this out. I got to get this out because they were on the right track. When Samuel L. Jackson gives him the shot in the neck or rather Natasha yeah. does and says, Your father was XYZ and you need to live up to him and here's all of it, here's all of his notes and books and everything. Look it over and you'll find the answers. Mm-hmm. What was the point of any of that if if essentially the answers were found in Pepper's office? No. I mean <laughs> If, if if Tony doesn't fucking give up on, on his father's notes and go, you know, throw himself on Pepper's tender mercies, none of the rest of that film ever happens. And I'm wondering if anyone bothered to read the script and figure that out.
1: It, it truly is. It's a moment akin to watching Adam West and Burt Ward figure out one of the Riddlers, Riddles in the 60s Batman series. Those made sense. It, uh, that's about how that's about how much goddamn sense it makes.
0: Um, I know you hate. I know you hate the show, but there's a there's an episode of The Big Bang Theory where they figure out that Indiana Jones is completely in, is completely uh, immaterial to the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was one of those moments for me. It was like, wait, what? How did none of what you just did made any sense and has and, and has no effect on what we were what we were doing in the movie. The point of this, the whole point of the, that 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 scene in the diner is is for uh, you know to establish a, to establish some of a friendship between Nick Fury and, and Tony Stark, and to say you know sort of a a Mickey to Tony's uh, Rocky. You know, get back in there, slugger. You can do this. And here, here's the missing stuff. Your father really did love you, Tony. Your father loved you, and he did all these things for you. And okay, that only makes sense if you then give him the shit that he needs to actually cure himself. If Tony throws it to the side and finds it somewhere else, that whole scene made no fucking sense and was pointless.
1: I, I just love the you at least flagged it. Mean, I know you loathe this show with every fire fiber of your being, but allow me to dangle its
0: nutsack on your forehead anyway. Well, I, any time I get to pee bag you, you know, it makes the show you know that much more enjoyable. Oh,
1: Uh-oh, don't worry, <laughs> mandated one. I'm going to tag you back. I will get you.
0: <laughs> Oh please. Um, you you who have so you who have embarrassed me on the show so many times by like yelling no at me in a just you know, sing songy voice. I, I if I don't get one in every once in a while, it feels like a bullying relationship. Oh come on.
1: <laughs> I have never willfully bullied you. I've had fun with it because some of our listeners have some of our listeners have dug it and also yeah, quite frankly, I got a huge hard on for jo- for John C. McGinley and Scrubs.
0: So, <laughs> but <laughs> that being that that and we can talk about this more, and, I, and I'll and I'll let you have the floor. But that is literally my only gripe with this movie because everything else, I know everyone like argues like oh they shoehorn, shoehorn. Nothing else felt shoehorned in. Everything else made sense. Everything else follows. I got what Whiplash was trying to do. Mickey Rourke's character. The only other real mm-hmm. issue I had with it was that Justin Hammer was a retard. Like he you know was <laughs> the most effective villain ever
1: you know what, the thing is, I really liked Whiplash, and I actually thought that he was horribly, horribly underused. Um, If there was anything that I liked about the way they set up the villains, it's that thematically they had an interesting idea that was different from the first movie. In the first movie, the whole idea was that Tony came up with just conjured this brilliant creation from nothing, practically from the ether for all intents and purposes, and wanted to use it to legitimately create something else, instead of destroy something else. And Stane wanted to use it as just another war machine, just another destroyer. In this movie, you have a bit of a mutation of that idea in that you have two characters uh the the Gary Shandling congressman character and uh Sam Rockwell's character who just want to kind of wield this technology without really understanding it or without really having earned it um They want to, it's not so much that they want to stand on the shoulders of the Giant, it's that if the Giant won't give them the the highest fruit that only he can reach, well, damn it, what they're going to do is they're going to wait until the Giant has got the fruit in his hands, they're going to kick the Giant square in the jimmy, and then when he's bent over,
0: then they're going to stand on his back. And I, I think a more accurate way of of saying that would be wait for the giant to wait for the giant to fall asleep and then stand on him because that's kind of what happens either, here. So, Tony is so distracted either, by either, you know, by his own he, demise that he yeah. you know, he he can't stop the one thing he was trying to prevent in the first place, which was other people right. taking his shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, either or, I just happen to you know like to amuse with the idea of a couple of obnoxious little runts smacking a giant in the dick, but potato-potato. But, I mean, I like the fact that it's all kind of thrown in there both in parallel and in contrast with Whiplash, who's, who, you know, kind of through his, uh, through his father, has seen a lot of these brilliant ideas that the Starks ultimately co-opted, taken and commandeered and twisted and all of it done without any credit whatsoever being given to one of the true pioneers of it. So it's really kind of muddling a a lot of the shades of gray along and that's what makes it what makes it interesting. The only problem is is that really the most formidable villain in all this
2: like I said, I just there's no
1: other way to put it. He he really gets cast aside. It's it's like watching the way that Bane gets treated in a lot of Batman adaptations. I mean, here's a character that is every bit as brilliant a tactician in many ways as Bruce Wayne. That is by no means stupid, and actually goes forward with a very well thought through sound but simple plan and actually really kind of wins mo kind of wins most of the battles in nightfall right up until Bruce manages to heal and be and because d c and Batman fuck you that's why um he kind of assumes the cow again and ends up kind of coming out ahead after all um well hang on but he's
0: but but let's take a time out the plot for a second because and and because i get what you're saying and i think it's a valid point but that's because the villain isn't the real issue in this movie the real issue is is tony's and this is this has been highly criticized by people and I want to compare it to the to the discussion that's happening right now with the Avengers and Age of Ultron. This movie is about Tony dying. If you can sum it up in one sentence, Tony is dying. The thing that he built to save his life is now killing him, and he can't for the life of him fix it. So he is trying to come to terms with the fact that he doesn't have that much longer left before the sh- before the shrapnel in his chest kill him, and he's. Coming unglued you know he wants to run away with pepper um you know and just have fun and he's not you know and he's giving away all of his stuff and he's putting pepper in charge of the company you know and he wants to, and he wants to spend the last few uh remaining moments left on this planet unburdened with with all of this stuff and along the way someone is trying to kill him <laughs> okay, and that's that's really what he's doing. So, so the main villain in this thing is actually Tony himself, and that's unfortunately why Mickey Rourke gets, gets kind of short shrift in this thing. Um, the other part of why he gets short shrift is because they have to spend time with Justin Hammer's character, who is the other villain. But you know, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. People hated the fact that they wrote the movie this way, and I don't understand why. I think it added a gravity to the character. I think it added a gravity to the movie that Marvel needs every once in a while. I don't understand why people watch these movies and go, well, you know, they put something really serious. They put, you know, a man, a man struggling with his own, uh, with, with his own imminent death. Well, that's no fun. I just want to see Tony Stark shoot stuff. You know, like people are saying, Oh, the age of Ultron, not as much fun as the first movie. First of all, the first movie was crap. <laughs> Second of all, why are, we, why are we as a public, why are we as comic book fans who have watched some of the grimmest things ever captured on a page now going into the movies and expecting nothing but fluff and nothing, you know, and nothing but mindless action instead of some serious things at work? If anything, I think Marvel should be more embracing these ideas in their movies and not running away with them but you know but you do you get people out there like they don't want to see tony struggling with his own demise they don't want to see the avengers struggling with uh you know with what is their role in the universe and you know and how do and how do they deal with the fact that they're so overpowered in a world that you know that they can so easily destroy that sort of thing it
1: they don't talk up they don't want to see any focus on black widow's relationship with Bruce banner cough
0: yeah then there's that um, but just my Sorry, part.
1: these coughs make the damnedest noises.
0: Cough, <laughs> cough. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
1: you, neck <neckbeard. laughs> Cough.
0: So, so it's like we can't have nice things, you know, because you, you, you can't have it both ways. Oh. You can't have a, mo- you can't have two hours of fluff and then complain that there's no, gra- you know, there's no gravitas to it. There's no, there's no heft. There's no, there's no three-dimensional <laughs> characters. You asked for a porno, okay? <laughs> that's what you're asking for. <laughs> you're asking Marvel to make porno. Just scene after scene of stuff getting blown up, you know, and that is supposed to be fun. I, however, want to watch a motion picture where it deals with people. So I love the idea that Tony is dying in the second one. And he's dying by the hand of the thing that he created to save himself in the first place. What irony, you know? Um, Look, the, the fact is
1: these movies they are products of their time. That is what they are. And quite frankly, the time that they're a product of is a time in comics where, yeah, yeah, they have evolved past just simply stuff goes boom. It <laughs> has it has moved beyond that. They have moved into stuff. And, and quite frankly, both labels have. Both labels have done that.
0: Um, well, DC has gone insane. D- DC well, well, no. apparently. Okay,
1: okay. that's that, that's good though because here's what I would point out about DC. Okay, you want to see nothing but a bombastic, ridiculous, illogical clash of the titans, just with no real mind toward human element or actual human emotion or developing the characters as resembling actual people. Okay. Fucking go watch a DC movie. That's what you're going to get. That is what you have always gotten with DC. DC makes gods. Marvel makes people. Is the difference. You want to go, go watch stuff go splat, boom, crash, kapow? Okay. Keep up on all the updates for Suicide Squad. I guarantee you, that's what you're going to get. Um, God help you if you actually want to go sit through the absolute turd muffin. That's going to be Batman versus Superman, not Justice League.
2: <laughs>
1: because I guarantee, because I, I guarantee you, you will get dark and brooding and heavy-handed pseudo commentary covered in delicious delusions of death and morose navel-gazing and, oh, God, fuck so very much of it. On the other hand, if you want to see movies that are about people who are actually learning to cope with having exceptional abilities and superpowers and and technology, well, here you go. Here's, here's Marvel, um, but know what you're, but know what you are getting into. Um, I, I mean, and me, and me. I remind some of these people. Okay, the kind of movies you're talking about wanting to see, you got an entire decade of comics that was centered on that kind of storytelling. It was called the '90s. You know what? It fucking utterly sucked. In retrospect, just about every single aspect of it, including the fact that it inflicted the overexposed Deadpool virus on the world, came from that period when, yes, that was that was what you got. What I believe Elizabeth Jones and Chasing Amy called the "big guns, big tits, big big tits" model of comics. Okay, go sit and masturbate into your pile of Rob Liefeld books. That's not what. That's not what Marvel is. That has never really been. Well, okay, with a few exceptions, I won't say never, because um, there there are a few dark chapters we don't speak of. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's like at this point, what exactly are you expecting? And quite frankly, you can't really make either side happy anymore. You can't make a lot of the comic fans happy because, yeah, sorry, you're not getting two and a half hours of explosion porn. Um, on the other hand, you can't make a lot of the critics happy because they're saying, this isn't following conventional movie storytelling norms, and they're not really making movies. They're just making chapters in a bigger saga. No shit, Sherlock. That's what almost every comic is. It's a chapter in a greater saga. And that's what Marvel is making. They're making adaptations of comics. Get out of your box and try appreciating it for what it is before you lambast some
0: of this stuff a little bit unfairly. Okay, but I would tell, you that, that I would tell you that many of the movies do follow, and I'm not disagreeing with you because I think the critics out there don't really understand what they're watching, but I would say that the movies, for the, for the most part, follow good movie structure. The, you know you have the the problem with iron man 2 like i said is that while the rest of it was fine you know how we got from a to z in iron man 2 was perfectly fine except for right in the middle where where you set something up you didn't pay it off and then you threw something else out there from from left field and, and even and even the thing you threw out there from left field was so convoluted and idiotic that people spent the rest of the movie laughing at it <laughs> you know. but the rest of the you know look, the rest of the movie makes sense. But take away if you if you want to take away the the closest adaptation you're ever going to get, the Demon in a Bottle, unfortunately, you know, out of the movie. Okay, so now Tony's not dying. So what does what is left? Okay, uh, Vanco wants revenge on Stark um, for the way that uh, the, his family treated uh, Vanco's family. So he he makes his own arc reactor, creates the whiplash costume, attempts to kill Tony, misses, gets put in prison. Justin Hammer wants to build Iron Man suits for the military, and the military wants Tony Stark's suit, and he won't give it to him. So Justin Hammer breaks Ivanko out, says, build me Iron Man suits. He says, okay, Uh, he'll do that. And along the way, he strings Justin Hammer along long enough for him to hatch a devious plot. That he's, you know, he'll build drones that he can control for the purposes of killing Tony, and he'll build his own souped-up whiplash suit for the purposes of killing Tony. In the meantime, Justin Hammer gets a, you know, does get a hold of an Iron Man suit, soups it up, creates the War Machine uh, thing, and Vanko takes control of that too for the purposes of killing Tony. He hatches his plot. He goes after Tony. Tony uh, saves War Machine. They defeat him. End of story. It's not that hard to understand, nor is it that that a terrible story. You know, you have a devious villain, you know, backstabbing another villain in order to exact revenge on, you know, on his arch enemy. I don't know how much more straightforward we are, I could have possibly said that. And I would have been fine if that's all the movie was. I think it would have been a little hollow. But if the, but if, at the end of the day, Tony Stark isn't struggling, you know, to, to live. And that's all he has to deal with is everybody wants my stuff. Okay, not you know not tremendously strong or interesting, but I'll take it. I thought it made the movie a lot more interesting. That that, that Tony spends half of it uh, uh, trying to avoid dying, but that's the part that everyone hates. And that's you know, and that's what we say. We, we just can't have nice things you know, in the Marvel universe.
1: Well, but again, though, that's kind of the thing that I like about it. Though I like the fact that the heroes are in a state of jeopardy and that Marvel isn't afraid to make them vulnerable.
0: No, I, I, um, I agree.
1: Yeah, I, um, I mean, if, if there's if there's one thing that DC, after all, has cocked up repeatedly, it's that basically the most immortal, godlike, infallible creature apparently in every realm of existence is fucking Batman.
0: Um, in the interest of time, is there? A, 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 I want to talk a little bit about Sam Rockwell's portrayal of Justin Hammer. Uh, very different from the comic books. He, you know, much younger. Um, kind of plays him as a. My, my problem with the way Justin Hammer was written, and he's the only character that I have a major problem with in this movie, um, because I, again, I thought Mickey Rock's portrayal of of Whiplash slash Crimson Dynamo was just fine. Um, I don't like it when. The villain is a complete dork. You know, the the villain should the villain should be give, should be giving the hero agita throughout the entire movie, so that at the end the payoff is you know when the when the hero finally trumps over the villain, you know, the, the, there is a payoff there. You know, you finally the long awaited uh, triumph of the good guy. When you make your bad guy an incompetent boob. You know who you know whose inventions are falling apart and looks like a schmuck. You know the the reporters trying to do a thing on him. Tony upstages him. It's like okay, at what point was Justin Hammer ever uh, a threat to, to to Tony? So I I understand you know Sam Rockwell did the best he could with that part, but the only time he actually seems like a functional human being capable of doing anything is when he's unveiling all of his weapons. To uh, Don Cheadle, who takes over for Terrence Howard in this movie as Colonel James Rhodes, and you know he's going he's going through the entire weapons display, and he actually seems like a fairly cool individual, and I enjoyed his delivery. You know, it's like oh, not not disco enough for you? Here's this. You know, and then at the end of it, he's like, so you got to give me something here. I can't read you at all. <laughs> you know, but then even then they undermine him at the end of the movie because you know the the, the thing that he sells him at the end, you know, this missile that this miniature missile, you know, that's supposed to be the, uh, the heartbreaker or whatever the fuck it's called, then doesn't work. And like, Oh, hammer. Like, okay. Why even have him in the movie then? <laughs> he was never a threat to Tony. He, he doesn't do, you know, he gets duped by, uh, by whiplash. He's, you know, and then at the end of it, he gets arrested. <laughs> you are a worthless villain. And for people who criticized him, that's, the, that's about the only thing I agreed with. Was that he was worthless and not a worthy foe for Tony in this movie. The way that he was written, he, I, I, he should have they should have written him in a way where he was an actual threat to, to Tony, so that when Tony, Tony finally got back on back on track again, you know he could actually redeem himself. But he doesn't have to do that because Hammer's an asshole. Which was one of the really great improvements of having Guy Pierce in
1: the third movie.
0: Yeah, they corrected it in, in Iron Man three, but um, you know, I I that that's my biggest problem with, with with the uh with Iron Man two, with Justin Hammer and the giant Easter egg in the fucking you know <laughs> the Easter egg in in the diorama. God that annoys me. Every time I watch that scene. <laughs> lose the trees, lose the past. Oh look, it's a I've discovered a new element. <laughs> although, uh, although you know,
1: when you look at the casting and you see that Tony's dad was Roger Sterling, all of a sudden a lot of things about Tony suddenly start to make sense.
0: All right, anything else on Iron Man 2? <laughs>
1: Since my Mad Men joke apparently fell on deaf ears, nope, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I don't watch Mad Men. If you, if you brought up The Wire to I've been right there with you. Um oh, I mean there's more talking you There's there's more people talking over each other in this movie which I really hate. Um but other than that, I actually enjoy Iron Man too, except for the parts that I've already spent enough time talking about. Um the introduction of the Scarlet Witch uh not the Scarlet Witch. The introduction of the Black Widow in this is fine. You know, mm-hmm. I think people complained, um, like, oh, you know, the they were just trying to shove characters into this thing, you know, so that we can get to the event. But if the characters actually do something and do play a figure? role to make sense. Yeah, I like Scarlett Johansson's character actually did stuff and made sense and I and, and and I don't understand why people like complained about it, but they did. All right. Okay, so,
1: and uh, and my and my question and my question to that would be okay, quick. Go through the other Marvel Phase One movies. By all means, pick out one where she would have fit better.
0: Well, I got—I'll go one better for you. Uh, if you want to talk about a character that was shoehorned in for no good reason, and then you know, just so they could throw him into the Avengers, and you would have at least some inkling of who he was, how about Hawkeye mm-hmm. in Thor? Oh God! Oh, they my oh my
1: okay yeah that is that is one where they probably realize oh shit we had plans to try to squeeze this guy into the Avengers and uh, standalone movie with him is going to flop something fierce because nobody neither knows nor gives a shit about Hawkeye Um, uh, oh oh golly gee where are we going to shove him Um, hey I know let's shove him straight up Thor's ass
0: (laughs) and then have him not do anything he doesn't even fire uh,
1: now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. He he's just kind of there for a quick little split second cameo. Um, you know, I watched uh, I actually watched Winter Soldier last night um, for the first time, and one of the things I can appreciate about that is kind of the thrift of it, and that everything that's in there feels like it's in there for a reason, and it feels like it's in there because it's building to something bigger. That that isn't going to show. That is only going to be kind of hinted at in this movie, but that's going to become a very very big deal later on. Right. Um, I'm also going to preface this by pointing out I have not seen Ultron yet. Um, I'm doing it this weekend. Uh, this has just been kind of a a crazy whirlwind week for me too. So I just flat out ran
0: out of time. So. I apologize if I've spoiled any of the movie for you. Well, um, no,
1: no, no, no. I've 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 had a very select few things spoiled anyway. Because the other day I got uh, I got curious when uh, the day's episode of Nerdist News uh, focused on detailing what it was that Joss was forced to cut from Age of Ultron. So I had a couple a couple things very slightly spoiled <laughs> by. By that, and I mean very, very, very vaguely, um, because God bless those good people, they did their best not to kind of go into detail as much as possible um, but it isn't like I've had the well and also i've I've kind of heard a little bit that apparently, as I said, there's a a huge massive online baby fit going on um, wherein. People like toddlers with shit diapers um, absolutely went ballistic on Joss Whedon to the point that he pretty much said, fuck this noise to the internet (laughs) and just abandoned Twitter on the whole thing. You know, so I, and I, and I know that, and I know that a lot of that goes back to, um, uh, Uh, some real furor, apparently, over the way that Black Widow was used in the movie, which I've heard some people explain to me in as spoiler-free a way as possible, to put it succinctly, well, no shit she was used that way. She was fucking pregnant.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, basically, like, well, what did you goddamn want them to do? The woman was the woman was like I think about like two or three months along or so when she well, to, when she was shooting
0: the well, movie already. Well, not to go off on a complete tangent here, but when you think about the original lineup of the Avengers, what an overpowered group that is! So, you know, starting with the Hulk, right? The strongest human being on the planet. The younger he gets, the yep. stronger he gets, and he can crack the planet yep. in half if he really wanted to. Then you have Thor, and you have Iron Man, and then you have Captain America. And and really, all you need is those four. Those four, those four can pretty much take down anything on Earth. Um, and so for the ride, you've got, you've then got Hawkeye the Archer, and then last but not least, Scar, you know, the Black Widow, who it, it, who you know they even say like in the first Avengers movie, they're like, when did you turn into a soldier? You're a spy. You know, like she has a re- she she has no she has even less purpose in the Avengers really. Than the wasp did, <laughs> you know. Uh, at least the wasp had a power of some sort. You know, she, she's apparently just a chick in a leather outfit. So it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not unhappy they didn't do more with her. What the hell was she gonna do?
1: Well, which is a shame because actually there is a little more with her origin story that you could do. Um, excuse me, and that I hope down the line that they will seriously think about doing. But man, you know, the way you introduced her and the way you had the first movie structured, okay, yeah, you're right. There was really very little that she could do. And in this one, I mean again, I mean, what are you going to do with with a character who pretty much right before she set to start shooting finds out she when the actress finds out she's pregnant. I mean you gotta make your way around that somehow.
0: Ever a love story and, with all?
1: Yeah, there, there's that, and you know, and again, and I, and maybe I'll change my mind once I actually see the movie. But just hearing about this on the surface, I don't have a problem with it.
0: No, neither do I. This is another case it's, of people where we can't have nice things. But let's, let's, it's,
1: yeah, and you know, and you know what? If if you don't mind me painting with broad strokes here for a second, um. I swear, when it comes to comic books, if it's not the ridiculous MRAs and meninists that are going to ruin things, it's going to be the alarmist the overly alarmist feminists. Yeah. Not the ones who actually have good points, but just the ones who are determined that that they're gonna think like a hammer and every single goddamn thing in their sight is a nail.
0: Yeah. All right, let's talk, let's talk about Iron Man three here. Iron Man three exists in the yeah, wave <laughs> Um and it's a great it's great in that you know if you can criticize the Phase, phase one for anything, and God knows people do. I, I know of one particular reviewer who has gone on record saying he absolutely hates all <laughs> studios, um, but <laughs> it, it seemed like it was Rush to the Avengers, Rush to the Avengers, and while individually, there are movies that I enjoy. I enjoy The Incredible Hulk. I enjoy Captain America, The First Avenger. Um, Thor, I think, missed, missed the point a little bit. I mean, I enjoy it for what it is, but I still feel like there was more they could do with that movie that they that it didn't. Um, and, and that one, if, 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 of all of them, that one the most felt like hurry up and get to The Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. Phase two now that you know who these characters are and we've gotten to the Avengers actually take some time and let the characters sort of exist in their own universes before bringing them back again. And so that's sort of the beauty of iron man three. It's the, it's the last of the, of the Tony Stark solo movies. You know, now he starts to become an, you know, an integral part of other people's stories. Uh, you'll you know, age of Ultron and then civil war, which is a captain America movie. Um, but what I really love about Iron Man 3 and what I thought was a great take on, uh, on the character was they take him out of the events of the Avengers and they say, okay, you carried a nuke into space um, mm-hmm. and then fell through, fell through a wormhole and had to be saved by the Hulk. You know, you had to go out and fight an alien army and you nearly died. And that has an effect on his psyche. He ends up with post-traumatic stress disorder, and he starts having these massive anxiety attacks. He also um, starts to sort of overcompensate for his fear that, and this becomes a big part of his character both then and in Age of Ultron and going forward into Civil War. Tony Stark has a real fear that, who doesn't matter? And he says it in Age of Ultron. It doesn't matter how many arms dealers they take down. The real threat comes from above. The real threat, and it's, he's prescient because we all know what's coming. It's the you know Thanos and the Infinity War. Uh, the real threat. But even and even if you leave that out, you've got Skrulls. You've got uh, you know all these other alien alien beings that exist in the Marvel universe that uh, take turns attacking the Earth. And he knows it and he fears it and he's trying to figure out what he can do to stop it. And so the first leg of this is the first way of sort of coping with, with this anxiety is he builds a, an army of suits. And when we see Tony again, he he's uh, working on a suit that can come to him uh, by just, you know, by, by essentially using uh, telekinesis Um. Yeah, you know, he injects himself with the stuff and then he can kind of call things using his mind. Um, and that, and that's where we find him uh, starts with a flashback. And this is where they, they brought a, they brought in the other terrorist group in the Marvel universe, AIM, AIM uh, advanced idea mechanics. This is where we meet Guy Pierce's character. Um, where is it? Oh, Aldrich Killian, And uh, they bring up the Extremis virus, which right now, uh, just as a side note, in the the Hulk comic book, uh, Iron Man used the Extremis to save Hulk from uh, from when he was shot in the head, and he became yet a new version of the Hulk called Doc Green, but that's besides the point. So um, so so, uh, Aldrich Killian uh, is working with uh, Maya... uh, Maya Hansen, and uh, you know they want to develop this extremist thing, which is basically uh, something that you know people can use to regenerate uh, body parts and heal themselves, and um, it also has the advent of giving them superpowers. Uh, this is also again about demons and you know and creating problems, and so where we find Tony, you know, is it a flashback? And uh, they pitch this idea to him, and he leaves the guy strand, you know, stranded on the roof while he goes and parties with Maya Hansen. Um, and so once again, he has set somebody up to want to take revenge on him. Um, Aldrich Killian, she, you know, shows up years later at Stark Industries and tries to sell his idea to Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts says, "No, not 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 today." Uh, and that sort of sets the plot in motion for them to you know to concoct these you know various plots to get at Tony. Uh, meanwhile we have another issue where and then this is what I want to talk about real quick because it was you know the most hotly debated thing in the movie. We have Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin because you can't get away <laughs> with, with unless <laughs> you actually get Mr. Fuji. Someone's going to get upset. So hey,
2: what would be wrong with that?
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Mr. Fuji with a with a handful of magic rings. Um it's I am not, not you're not
1: invisible against like my okozola.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So instead so t- typical Hollywood, you know, they take away a part from you know, what could have gone to an Asian guy and they give it to a white man. And he uh, and he kind of you know, it's a cross between like Osama Bin Laden and uh and like I I don't know, um Malcolm X I guess. And he's out there making videos and blowing stuff up and and uh and so this is a huge problem and you know, and they want uh Iron Man to deal with this as well. Uh in the midst of all of this happening, Happy uh gets you know, follows the tra- trail of one of the extremist guys and the extremist guy goes boom and immediately kills Happy yep. Which uh gets Tony then um you know, Say, you want me? I live here. Come get me. And, of course, he puts Pepper in arms away again. Um, so they, nearly kill, they blow up Tony's house and nearly kill Tony. Tony ends up in Tennessee, and that's where the movie kind of slows down to a crawl so that, uh, you know, Tony can um, become Batman and deal with a detective story. Uh, but along the way, he also, uh, with the aid of this kid, starts to deal with the PTSD in a very real way. Because up to this point, he was sort of avoiding it by building Iron Man suits. And now, bereft of Jarvis, bereft of all of his suits, he's just, you know, a man in his anxiety and talents. And that's what the kid reminds him of, you know. He he refers himself as the mechanic. And the kid says, well, if you're a mechanic, then go build something. And Tony Hmm. says, right. (laughs) So he builds himself a set of weapons. He figures out where the Mandarin is, and he goes after him. Um, And that's when he finds out, Ta-da! It's the Mandarin Twist, da, da da da, da 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 da. The Mandarin Twist, ladies and gentlemen. Turns out the Mandarin was a made-up character being played by a British actor named Trevor. Uh, and I'm and gonna...
1: you know what? Here's the thing. My problem with this didn't come necessarily from the the whitewashing of the Mandarin. I understand you have to get around a way to make this character not look fucking ridiculous on the big screen. I get that. God knows we don't want another instance of a Marvel villain becoming a low-pressure system over Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, you had a good idea. Yeah, had a good idea of the Mandarin being this shadowy terrorist mastermind. I was actually on board with that for most of the movie. Then came the reveal. And I just sat there at a loss for words that didn't begin or end with fuck.
0: <laughs> and it just didn't get any better. I disagree. Um, I'm I'm with you in that I could have gone, look, if this was a choose-your-own-adventure, I'm 50-50 on either road. On the road where that's exactly what it was and he's your main villain and Aldrich Killian is sort of his right-hand man, the, the Darth Vader to his emperor. Um, and he's out there blowing things up and whatever else. Um, he wasn't you know, was Darth
1: Vader. He was Jar Jar goddamn Binks. He was a fucking retarded there. looking handmaiden of Queen Amidala. Let
0: me, let me get there. If the, if, if the road that they went down was that, they, you know, was that there was no twist. He really was this malevolent guy blowing things up and trying to kill the president and all that. Okay, that's fine. I'm I'm with you. I I enjoyed right. that, that interpretation of the Mandarin. But I'm also okay with this idea of the writers of this movie playing around with the idea of media. Um, I like the wag the dog concept. If you've ever seen the movie Wag the Dog, um, the president has some sort of a scandal. I think it's a sex scandal. They were making fun of Bill Clinton. And so... Uh, and just like in real life, people criticized Bill Clinton because he he ended up doing some sort of um, military action cl- close to the Monica Lewinsky scandal, to the point where yeah, people yeah, were referring yeah. bombings, Monica, people were referring to the bombings as Monica missiles. Um, Wag the Dog the sure. movie with Ron De Niro, similar thing. They invent a war uh, so as to get uh, pressure off of the president for a scandal that he was involved in. So you know, in in the sense that. You know they're playing around with that idea of using media to manipulate people and creating a character, you know, to sort of um, coalesce uh, opinions and attitudes or whatever towards something. But really, you know, the guy behind the whole thing is is uh, you know, is Aldrich. I was actually fine with that. I got it. I understood the point of it. I don't. Um, God bless him. Um, I'm going to use him as an example, though. Gavin is Gavin Napier of the Casual Heroes is pretty much the most like hardcore. If it's not an exact like mimicking of the comic books, then it's not right and it sucks. This is the guy who last year didn't like Days of Future Past because he didn't like the fact that all the Sentinels were Nimrods. Okay, and this year his big problem is that it's something about the Vision um, vision's eyes and that Ultron has lips. Whatever. I, I'm just not that much of a. I'm just not that much of a stickler, okay? I don't care. You know, these characters are meaningful to me in that I enjoy them and I want to see them in motion pictures. But I'm open-minded enough to appreciate adaptations and creative license. And with that being yeah, said,
1: well, it, yeah, well, I'm not Gavin, suck. but suck my indestructible Ironmonger. That twist was stupid. Well, so you can
0: think the twist is stupid, but I think. It's stupid for, you know, because it isn't the comic book, to me, is not a good argument. It's stupid because whatever your reasons are, I'm willing to listen to. Um, oh, and that's no, the this thing. Is
1: one time, this, is, this is one time I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say it's stupid because it's not the comic book. I'm fine with that. Sometimes you get away from the source material, and you actually end up with a better idea. Uh, thank merciful Christ they didn't include Skull Cowboy in The Crow. Um, that was actually just fine. In this case, I'm calling it goddamn stupid because it was goddamn stupid.
0: Okay. Now, what? you, you can't just say it's stupid. <laughs> What's stupid about it?
1: For starters, you took a villain that actually I was kind of invested in. I was really actually interested in seeing some more of him and seeing him develop a little bit more toward the end of the movie. And on top of that, one who is played by one of Hollywood's all-time great legends, and you turn him into goddamn Russell Brand.
2: <laughs> you, I, what, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but don't you understand the whole concept of, like I said before, of you know them playing around with the idea of using media you know it's the old uh, remember the main this this was the living embodiment of remember the main
1: oh yes goddammit i i i get the i get the whole concept of ah we're going to play with them through through the media and uh, it's it's bait and switch we're manipulating their opinions and all that and yes i remember wag the dog and wag the dog wag the dog is an awesome movie but now you're reminding me of as much as Iron Man 3 isn't as bad on a second viewing as I thought it was, of something better that I would rather be watching. I, you could have set up something awesome where this was Tony caught in the middle between a legitimate terrorist madman and um and... and Killian. And had it be a whole interesting triple threat match kind of thing, that could have been kind of could have been kind of fun, and it might have actually managed to be more effective than when you had Tony versus Whiplash versus functionally retarded Sam Rockwell. Um, but instead. It just ends up with this whole asinine, out of nowhere twist that that makes me feel almost like instead of Ben Kingsley, like the Mandarin should have been played by fucking Jack Black or Ben Stiller.
0: <laughs> oh god, that would have been terrible.
1: You know. It well well that well that was how I felt about it. And and again, this isn't even me being necessarily a comic book stickler even though one of the kind of neat things about the Tony versus Mandarin rivalry was the fact that it was technology versus mysticism. That was the interesting part of it. Um, I realize you can't render the Mandarin on the big screen the same way he did in the comics and expect any reaction except for except for uproarious laughter and screams of, oh, fuck that. Well, yeah. I, I, I hear you this to me was right up there with how I played the first few hours of Batman Arkham Origins really invested in this whole story of uh, the Black Mask putting a contract out on Batman's head and thinking wow this is interesting I'm actually kind of getting involved with some other villains here it's going in a fresh direction and then Three, two, one. Nope, it's been the joker the whole time. Womp womp. I I don't I don't like bait and switch unless it's done
0: really, really fucking well.
1: Okay. This was not here's, done really fucking well.
0: Here's where I'll agree with you. This is the one point that I think you can you can distill this down to. At the end of the day the reveal didn't serve the plot in any way, shape or form. It was it was a rev- it was a twist for the sake of a twist. And you could talk, you know. And as I said, I'm defending it on the on the grounds, uh, you know, of wag the dog. But even still, I don't know if I, I don't. As I think about the movie, I don't know if that got you any further down the line than not having it there in the first place. Like I don't. Like okay, so you're creating the character to, to to do this and that and the other thing, but you know, what look, people are going to hate me for this example. But at least the emperor created the war between the separatists and the old republic, so that he, he he could use it to get himself more power and eventually become the emperor. That was the whole point mm-hmm. of, of, of the war. You know, the the war was was the Trojan horse that allowed him to become emperor. I'm not entirely sure what the Mandarin's purpose was in terms of getting Guy Aldrich, Guy Pierce, anything that he wanted. Because on the one hand, he seemed to want to just kill Tony, <laughs> okay? He wanted his extremist thing out there, and he wanted to kill Tony, and he didn't seem to have much else going on at the time. So I don't understand, like, what were the bombings supposed to draw out Iron Man just so he could kill him? Because that seems rather elaborate for such a, for such a small purpose. And then why try to sell Stark Industries, the extremist thing, anyway? Like but that's the problem with w that's the biggest problem I have with Iron Man three is that the motives aren't clear, and things are just happening for the sake of happening now, I like the happenings in the sen- in the same way that I like watching you know art, <laughs> okay, I can look at a pretty thing and say, ooh, pretty um and I feel like I have said that before very recently but as, but it but that but if that's all it is, that's not good storytelling um. And so, while Iron Man three is a, is definitely a fun movie to watch, it definitely has some plot problems. It's probably got the weakest plot uh, uh, of the first two movies, uh, oh, by movie. far. Which which is
1: sad because actually the theme of it is really pretty interesting. Tony dealing with his with his PTSD. I, I like I that. Understand.
0: I was on. Watch I was on more. board with. I was on board with that part.
1: Yeah,
0: not not right. Sure why, why were people more on board with him dealing with his PTSD and not on board with him dealing with dying? Hey, I was fine with both of them. I'm sure you were, but you know, I yeah. I, I sort of I'm asking a rhetorical question here, I guess, but um that's actually I mean in the interest of time, that's kind of all I have to say about Iron Man three, um, was that the the, the plot's a bit thin and the stuff they're doing, you know, didn't didn't serve the story in any way, shape, or form that mattered. I would have also liked to have seen them utilize Pepper Potts rescue. I wish she had had her own suit of armor that they could have called upon.
2: Hmm. Um,
0: there, you know, the Operation House Party protocol, and then um, and then the clean slate was fun to watch. That whole that whole scene where he's jumping in and out of suits is is a fun. Way to end the uh, end the movie, and then curing himself oh, yeah. of the shrapnel in the heart was a good way to end it. But um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say like, oh, well, that's the end of Tony's story. Tony's story was really just beginning. <laughs> you know, there's there's so much more for Tony to do. Last words hmm. on Iron Man, and then uh, and the trilogy at large, and then we'll get out of here. Stuff go boom. Well said. All right, what
1: do you got going on this week? Um, I'm going to make coffee, and then I'm going to continue watching this Let's Play of Bioshock Infinite. And then I think we have movies to watch for another Long Road to Ruin. Although it occurs to me that actually what I'd really like for us to do at some point, we should really do um, almost like a special edition apart from Long Road to Ruin that kind of picks up with an idea we had a long time ago of looking at the DC animated series mm-hmm. from from kind of Batman the animated series onward, because that seemed like a fun idea, and we, unfortunately, well, okay, I, it was my fault, um, kind of had to abandon that just as it was getting going,
0: but I was thinking we should revisit that at some point at some point um maybe when we get out of the summer blockbuster season because our next show will uh we will be um we we will be looking at the Mad Max trilogy Fury Road comes out a week from tomorrow uh I will be reviewing it the following Wednesday with Robert Winfrey barring any unforeseen calamity and then on Thursday we will be reviewing the, the trilogy that begets Fury Road uh, the Road Warrior, Mad Max, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So that's what's up next here on the Long Road to Ruin. Uh, if, you have an opp- if you haven't had an opportunity yet, uh, check out the um, source material this week. Uh, we talked about Demon in a Bottle. Um, Jason Teasley, Benjamin Cologne, and Robert Winfrey reviewed Age of Ultron, because unfortunately I was unable to. I was in the hospital with my daughter. Uh And I chose not to leave the hospital instead wanting to be with her, so unfortunately, I was not able to review the age of Ultron
1: don't we uh don't we also have four Terminator movies to watch in the
0: fairly near future? uh, yes, I believe Terminator Genesis comes out uh, oh shit wrong
2: <laughs> wrong
0: button. Um, God damn it stupid computer. Uh, Terminator Genesis comes out July first, so the week after that, we will be. Uh, I'll the same thing. I'll be reviewing Terminator Genesis, and then on that Thursday, we will be looking at the first three Terminator movies. I'm not including Salvation. That was a piece of shit, and it doesn't count. It is the Superman returns of Terminator <laughs> movies, and I
2: don't.
1: Your your will your willfulness to dodge certain shitty
0: movies just stunned me. I like things in threes.
1: Oh, shit. Fuck <laughs> oh, you. You know how many times I have actually had to say, Mark, I thought we'd been over this before. We're we're leaving it at three movies per episode. Every time we do four per episode, things get too long. Oh, okay, hey, here's another quadrilogy. We're going to shove everything into two hours. I like things No, you just like to avoid certain batches of awful. (laughs) You just like to avoid certain bad things.
0: Well, you know, do you really, do we, what, what is there to talk about with Salvation? It sucked. It was terrible. Wouldn't you rather spend that time talking about the first three Terminator movies?
1: I'd rather spend that time talking about the first two Terminator movies.
0: Oh, there's so much. To, there's so much to talk about <laughs> with the third one. Are you kidding me? So, oh all right, so that's,
1: god! That's the plan I, there. You know what? I. You know what? When, when you guys do the summer blockbuster series edition, where you talk about Terminator Genesis, I may have to join you for that one, just because. And this is. You're gonna wonder why this is the thing that's bugging me of all the things about this impending turd. Um, why, since it's obviously you know a cyborg, meaning it's ageless, why the why the T eight hundred all of a sudden looks like he'd been left out in the desert sun too long.
0: <laughs> He's old man River. <laughs>
1: No, oh, I want to hear the logical I, – I honestly don't get out to movies and theaters nearly as often anymore. This one, I'm tempted to go just because I want to hear that
0: explained. Because
1: the trailer has already ruined the movie for me.
0: I haven't even watched it, the trailer. <laughs>
1: then don't watch it before you go see it because it's spoiled. No, I'm, trying to,
0: surprise I'm trying to stay as far away from any more spoilers about this movie as possible. I, You know what? I do that with a lot of movies all the time. I'm
1: not going to fault you for that one. But, upon seeing this trailer, that was the one that stuck in my craw. Was, I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. You're a cyborg. You don't Age. It doesn't happen, with the exception of obviously showing stuff like tears and battle and battle damage. And I realize that yes, Arnold, you know this isn't the 80s or 90s anymore. But if you can't do some things right, don't do them at all. Otherwise, you're just looking laughable for Here's all my the theory. wrong reasons.
0: I have I have a theory here, and then we really must get going. Here's my theory. So a cyborg is living tissue over metal exoskeleton. Yeah? Right? The living Correct. tissue aged. It, the living tissue merely aged. I mean, you know, if you look at like a banana peel, right? A banana peel mm-hmm. will go from green to yellow to brown, right? Because it ages. Mm-hmm. So if you have living tissue over the metal, wouldn't it follow that the tissue would age?
1: I wonder then how they're going to explain the dad bod <laughs>
2: that,
1: that that Terminator has got. Do do cyborgs also gain beer guts as they get older? <laughs> is, is this also a thing?
0: And ende- as it endeavored to become more human, it also it also put on weight so it would feel the human experience. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and had probably reached the conclusion that becoming more human is sorely overrated.
2: <laughs>
1: fuck fuck that stupid little biker trash kid that
0: convinced me otherwise. I wanted to, now I to see I'm obsessed with this idea now. I wanted to see Terminator kind of like walk on screen, scratch his ass and burp and talk about the t- touchdown he scored <laughs> in high school.
1: <laughs> okay. I would even go see that with a stupid misspelled subtitle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Because apparently Um, this is Terminator as produced by Fred Durst. We have to misspell something. All
0: right. Uh, Next Thursday, um, we took a bit of a hiatus because of various things, but um, next Thursday, uh, the Metal Hammer of Doom is back. We'll be reviewing the new Corpocani. The day before that is conclusion of the Daredevil series, we'll be looking at the last four episodes, Uh, so that'll be good. That'll be fun. Hopefully, we'll actually have Pat Mullen on this one. He's promised to be on every episode. He's been on none of them. Ah. Oh, Pat. Uh, And I think that's it. I think, um, so yeah, next... Excuse me. So next Wednesday, Daredevil, Thursday. Uh, Well, um, Thursday is... uh, Metal Hammer of Doom, the new Corpor A week after that, uh, Wednesday, we'll be reviewing uh Fury Road, and Thursday we're looking at the Mad Max trilogy. So that's what's next on the Red Legend Broadcasting Network over the next couple of weeks. Um due to family issues, I was not able to record any any casual any casual hero wrestle cast this week, so I don't think they did one, to my knowledge. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but there isn't one as near as I can tell right now. So hopefully, also next week you'll hear me on the uh, the Casual Heroes Rufflecast as per usual. So, uh, Sean, unless you got anything else, uh, without further ado, what do I always play at the end of the show? I've, I've, it's been so long now, I forget like how. I, you I know, you what know
1: what? It, it it varies. We started off playing uh, Clutch, and then you switched to the NFL on Fox theme, and then it was um, I think it was one of the songs from the Muppet movie.
2: Mhm. I think I've, I. You think know, you I've know what? It. You know
1: what? Let's let's go out with some.
0: Uh, let's go out with some ACDC. You got to shoot to throw. Should have loaded that up, uh, but no. I've um, I've got I've got, uh, got the old Roth theme from the nineties. I got the Brock Lesnar <laughs> theme. I got the Shield. <laughs> Star Wars disco. <laughs>
1: Hard to go wrong with any of those, but you know what? Since It's looking like the pretty much the big, the giant T-Rex of the summer blockbuster season. Actually, no, wait, no, it's not coming out in summer. It's coming out in winter. I was going to say, let's go with Star Wars. Um, huh. I,
0: was, I You know what? I, I'll, I'll go with the classic. So, for Sean Comer, this is your mandatory reporter, <laughs> Mr. Michael Adelaide, saying. Be well, be safe, and behave.
2: Bye-bye.